guys, welcome back to another episode of Dynasty After Dark. I'm your host, Calvin Timms. You can find me over on Twitter at DFFCalvin, on Instagram at The Dynasty Consultant, or on our Facebook page, which is the Dynasty After Dark fan page over on Facebook. And with this being episode number 10, the big number 10, I do want to let you guys know I've been talking about my first post for the Dynasty After Dark Instagram page. I think I'm actually going to do it this Saturday with the upload of this video, so watch out for that and stay tuned for that because it should actually finally be coming out, my first Instagram post, so you guys definitely don't want to miss it, so make sure you uh, follow me over on Instagram so you can see it. And um, one thing that I asked you last week and I'm going to continue to kind of appeal to you guys is... If you guys like this podcast, I'm, I'm getting pretty regular views. I really want this podcast to grow and I really want to be able to talk to more people. And it's not that I don't appreciate everything that you guys do that are currently listening to the podcast, but I would definitely like to grow the podcast if at all possible. So um, if you could definitely give me a recommendation, give me a like on Apple, on Spotify, give me just... Wherever you see this podcast, if you could give it some publicity, give it some positive feedback, that'd be great. Like I said, pimp it out to your friends, you know, without growing the fan base, it's hard to get more of those five-star reviews and things like that. So tell your friends about it. I know when it comes to fantasy podcasts, it's really hard to tell your friends sometimes because, you know, you want to keep all the valuable information to yourself, but um, it would definitely mean a lot to me if you guys could tell your friends if you do like it and try and get them to tell their friends and things like that, you know. That's how the whole pyramid scheme works, right? You get one person to tell two people to tell two people and bada bing, bada boom, I have a million followers. So (laughs) I'm uh, leaning on you guys a little bit for that. So if you guys could help me out, I'd truly appreciate it. Like I said, most of you guys that are listening are pretty regular listeners. So seems like you guys like it. I just need to find ways to kind of break through to to more people. So if you guys could help me out with that, I'd be greatly appreciative. So before we jump into our breakdown of the last NFC division, I just wanted to say that I'm pretty excited for today because by the time you guys are listening to this, it'll be Saturday and I am going camping this weekend to just kind of get away from people and life and uh, just kind of really unwind this weekend. So I'm really looking forward to that. I'm going to be camping in Ohio in one of the one of the nice parks that they have over there, which is hopefully pretty, um, pretty relaxing and pretty chill. It's out in the middle of nowhere, beautiful hiking trails and beautiful camping. And I'm going to miss spending time with my son this weekend, but it's just going to be really nice to get away. And especially after the crazy 2020 that we've had so far and, oh man, it's going to be good. I'm really looking forward to just kind of sitting back, going hiking on Saturday and then having a few beers by the fire Saturday night. So uh, that'll be really exciting. And um, if you guys are trying to hit me up with any last minute questions, Yeah, I won't be able to answer this weekend probably because I'm going to be out of town. But yeah, really looking forward to just unwinding after all the craziness that's been going on in my life lately. And uh, right before the season starts, it's just going to be the perfect little refresher, I think. So let me know if you guys have been able to get away this year with the crazy 2020. I know a lot of people have had to cancel like big plans for vacation and things like that. So Hopefully you've been able to find some sort of getaway, whether it's just a weekend away at a hotel or something. But yeah, I think 
everybody needs a little bit of a getaway this year just because how crazy it's been. So another thing I just wanted to point out real quick before we jump into the breakdown is one thing that I've heard is pretty popular this time of year, and this kind of relates back to the promoting the podcast to your friends and everything to your league mates. If you guys are anything like me, I'm in multiple Dynasty Leagues. I really enjoyed the Dynasty format. You know, I started with my first league was through work, you know, and it was just a one quarterback, no tight end premium league. So it puts a lot of emphasis on the skill positions, the running backs, the wide receivers. And I've since blossomed out to the super flex, to the tight end premium leagues. And it's just so much fun, the different variations that you can have with all the different league styles, right? So If you're anything like me and you're in multiple leagues, one thing that's becoming popular in these leagues is to get someone who is a air quote expert or analyst to kind of give your league a breakdown of the rosters and to kind of have a little fun with it, you know, and kind of trash people a little bit. Also point out who's strong where and things like that. So if that's something that your league is looking to do or your commissioner, if you are a commissioner and that's something you're looking to do for your league, hit me up on Twitter, on Facebook, and just let me know. And I know leagues are starting to fill up quickly here, so I don't have a ton of time before the start of the season. But yeah, if you guys can get them in, I can definitely try and get to your guys' league uh, before the start of the season. So um, just something else I wanted to point out that I could do for you guys. I always enjoy breaking down rosters and doing entire leagues is and even more fun because you get the whole picture of, well, you're really weak at wide receiver, but compared to your league mates, you know, maybe you are not really weak at wide receiver. Maybe you're middle of the pack or you're above average, you know? So that's just something I wanted to point out. Again, it's something that kind of goes towards promoting the podcast. If you know a commissioner that's looking to do this, or if you are a commissioner yourself looking to do this, always an opportunity, especially after the season, after the season in the spring, it definitely picks up a lot more with people looking for kind of a outside eye into their rosters and their leagues and everything and just see where they need to attack the season, right? But doing a whole league breakdown, like I said, gives you just a full overall picture, which I personally really enjoy. So just wanted to throw that out there. Like I said, I don't have a ton of time before the start of the season, but there is still a couple weeks left, so get it in while you can. Now, That said, we're going to start with our first team in the NFC West, which is the Los Angeles Rams. And if you've been following Hard Knocks, they are one of the two teams, them and the Los Angeles Chargers, since they're both going to be debuting a brand new stadium this year, which is going to be pretty cool, I think, because we're going to have two new stadiums in 2020 with the Los Angeles teams and also the Vegas stadium. So that'll be kind of cool. Something to look forward to early in the season, just seeing how those stadiums look. So kind of sinks that there's not going to be any fans at the stadiums for a little while, but it'll be interesting to see all the little features and the, just the debut of the two stadiums, but breaking out the Los Angeles Rams. So they had a very boring off season so far. And I say that because they didn't bring in any free agents so far They really haven't brought in any new coaches. They've had a few turnover at the lower positional coaching spots, but nothing major or noteworthy. Um, The Rams are one of those teams that are really trying to 
be progressive with their coaching staff and bring in more minorities and more women and things like that. So there's been a little bit of turnover at the bottom of their coaching roster and a few more positions added for lower tier coaches, but it's definitely something that's pretty interesting to watch out for. Maybe someday these people will be able to have a chance to make a name for themselves as higher roles in the NFL. But yeah, nothing too much from a coaching side. And then with no free agents, it's been pretty quiet other than the hard knocks side of things. So in the draft, they really didn't have too many picks either because they sent so many picks away the last few years. They've been doing a very interesting uh, team building style of just going for superstar players. It's pretty crazy because they were actually spending almost their entire salary on just starters with almost no money tied up in their backup players. So it's a very win now kind of mindset because if anything happens to a starter, they're just absolutely screwed because they have no name recognition behind those guys, right? So if Aaron Donald goes down, they really don't have anybody behind Aaron Donald that would be able to make any sort of impact for the team because they just don't even have a quality backup because they're paying so much to Aaron Donald, right? And with Jalen Ramsey is another guy that's due his big contract soon. If they just continue to lock up these superstars and not kind of allocate money towards uh, the future, they're just going to be in cap hell for a little while. And you can kind of see that because that's one of the reasons why they ended up cutting Todd Gurley, who's one of the bigger names that they lost this season, right? They cut Todd Gurley. Todd Gurley wasn't a free agent. He wasn't due to be traded or anything like that. They cut him so that they could save money in the future because they overpaid him last year when they signed him to a six-year deal. So the Rams are definitely going for a much more win now, starter heavy role. Um, and, and it can definitely work. It's just very risky because if, like I said, one of those starters goes down, they have a massive hole on this team. So uh, with that said, they have been spending a lot of draft capital on these big name guys, right? They sent two or three first round picks for Jalen Ramsey, right? So they haven't had a first round pick in a couple years now. So it's no big surprise, but the biggest surprise is with their draft capital having no first round pick, the first pick that they made in this year's draft was on Cam Akers, who was a running back out of Florida. And Cam Akers is a very talented running back. Um, we'll get to him here in just a minute. But the fact that they went all out on Cam Akers as their first overall pick after spending a second round pick on Darrell Henderson last year is just pretty telling to me that they don't think they have what they want in Henderson. And Cam Akers is going to be a very key part of this offense. But with their second second round pick that they had in this year's draft, they actually went for Van Jefferson, who's a wide receiver. And He's been showing up a little bit in camp so far, and I would not be surprised if we see a little bit more of him on Hard Knocks next week because that's the way these Hard Knocks work. Everything we're hearing out of camp right now shows up on next week's episode, right? So I would not be shocked if next week we see Van Jefferson kind of showing up some of these guys on tape, but Van Jefferson is a very talented, uh, shifty guy. He's very much in the Cooper Cup mold for a player. He's a bigger shiftier guy who typically plays in the slot but with what Sean McVay head coach Sean McVay can do with these guys and move them around the field and just scheme them open is just insane to me because 
I think Van Jefferson is definitely primed. And another reason why is because one of their bigger name stars, Robert Woods, who, in my opinion, is probably the wide receiver one for this team. I know you could definitely make the argument that he's the 1A or the 1B to Cooper Cup being the 1A or the 1B. However, you see those guys, they're pretty much even to me. I just put Robert Woods a little bit ahead of Cooper Cup, even though I like Cooper Cup's talent a lot more. Robert Woods is going into a contract year next year, so he's definitely looking for an extension. And he's someone that I don't know if they're going to be able to pay him because of what I just laid out for their salary cap issues. So, If Robert Woods ends up leaving, Van Jefferson is someone who I think would be able to step in behind Robert Woods and make a very significant fantasy impact. But uh, that's their second overall pick that they took in this year's draft. Um, They re-signed Austin Blythe, their center, and Andrew Whitworth, which if you saw Hard Knocks yesterday, he's a 38-year-old tackle who's moving into guard now he's definitely nearing the end of his career but man what a what a staple player that he's been around for 40 years as Sean McVay said in the NFL so Andrew Whitworth is definitely going to be a necessary cog for this offensive line because they did not add any offensive linemen in this year's draft and that was kind of a shock to some people uh, because they had a very atrocious offensive line last year According to PFF, they actually had the 31st ranked offensive line in 2019. So that is not a good sign, uh, the fact that they didn't bring in any offensive linemen. And the reason why they didn't bring anyone in was laid out by PFF as well. And the fact is that they drafted a bunch of young linemen in the last couple of drafts. And they really want to see what those guys can do for this team. If they don't develop, they're going to be in a massive hole for this team. But if they do develop, we could easily see a pretty big jump from 31 to maybe 20, top 16, somewhere in that range for this offensive line, which would be a huge benefit because one of the biggest problems for this offense as a whole is Jerry Goff is not the best quarterback in the NFL. I don't know if I'm shocking you with that information or not, but Jared Goff is a very system-heavy quarterback. He's extremely reliant on Sean McVay's system, and that is totally fine because he does it perfectly well when he has the weapons and he has the support around him. But you can see clearly in 2019 when that offensive line fell off, because in 2018 it was a perfectly fine offensive line, When it fell off in 2019, they just could not get that offense rolling. And if they can't get the offense rolling, their defense isn't good enough to just shut people out, especially with the loss of Wade Phillips as their defensive coordinator. They just are going to struggle a little bit on defense. And not saying that they have a bad defense. Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey are two superstars right there on their defense, but they aren't like someone like the New England Patriots before all the holdouts, right, who have just a shutdown secondary and a dominant linebacking core and a dominant and a dominant defensive line, right, where the defense as a whole is just outlandish, right? The Rams do not have that. They have the, those few superstars, but other than those guys, they don't have a ton of depth on this defense. So they're not going to be able to stop people from scoring. And if they can't score themselves, they are absolutely screwed. So 
We really need to see something from these offensive linemen in year two, in year three for these guys. And if they can't get it going, it's going to be a very dismal year for the Rams again. But there is hope, like I said. So writing these guys off completely right now is a little foolish. And we'll get into the fantasy side a little bit here. Like I said, Jared Goff is a quarterback. Really don't have anybody behind Jared Goff. So um, if they lose Jared Goff, there's really nothing that is going to excite you from a fantasy standpoint. They're really hoping that there's no injuries to Goff. Again, superstar model for this team of if they lose a guy, especially like Jared Goff, they are absolutely screwed. So Jared Goff, from a fantasy standpoint, is actually a little interesting this year because he's one of those guys who's falling down draft boards. And I don't know if that's entirely justified because... He is a system quarterback. Like I said, he's not the best quarterback in the NFL. I'm not shocking anybody here, but he is very good when he has a lot of weapons. And I think that they have amazing weapons for this team. And I do actually think that this offensive line is going to step forward a little bit. I'm actually more worried about my New England Patriots offensive line falling down the ranking board pretty heavily here. So if we see them take a step forward, and like I said, they get to that 20 to 16 range in there, they'll be just fine. Um, And Jared Goff will be able to get things rolling like we saw at the end of 2019. So he's definitely someone that I would be potentially targeting if I need a quarterback because you can get him cheap. Nobody really likes Jared Goff. And I think the reason why is because First, the Super Bowl a couple years ago against the Patriots, where he just looked absolutely terrible. I understand that the Patriots had an amazing defense. That was a very defensive-heavy game. But the fact that he just looked so bad, even with Sean McVay scheming stuff up for him constantly, is very telling uh, that he can't make it happen on his own. So if the system's not working, he's not going to be working. But again, he's someone who has really good weapons. They've gone all out on those superstars to surround him with. And the talent around this guy is insane talent. So he's someone who I think will probably finish around low-end quarterback one, high-end quarterback two numbers. But he's definitely going to have weeks where he's going to be able to win you a week. So if you're in a super flex or you are in a two quarterback league or even a one quarterback league and you want a solid backup he's someone who you can get for cheap right now and is not gonna finish as low as people are kind of predicting for him so that's the quarterback the running backs they have a little bit of a committee back there they have cam Akers, who was a second round pick this year darrell henderson who was a third round pick i said second earlier but he's actually a third round pick last year And they have Malcolm Brown, who is getting older and really hasn't been able to do anything when he's been given the opportunity in the past. He's had some flashes here and there, but nothing sustained. And by far, Cam Akers is the most talented running back on this team. It's not even close. If you know anything about Cam Akers, he's going to feel right at home behind this offensive line if it doesn't step forward. He had the worst offensive line in the entire college football last year. There's probably some small schools, but of the big name schools, Florida's offensive line was atrocious. His offensive line generated a grand total of, I think it was like 10 offensive yards for the offense in the entire year last year, which what that means is he was getting hit downfield ahead of the line of scrimmage 
less often than he was getting hit behind the line of scrimmage. So he was just getting mauled last year, and he still finished the season with over a 1,000 yards. That just goes to show you how talented Cam Akers really is. And the fact that they took him with their first pick, when they do have other holes on this team, they could have taken a lineman. They could have taken somebody on the defense to shore up some of those holes. The fact that they took Cam Akers and they cut Ty Gurley to save money is just very telling to me because Cam Akers can catch the ball. He's very, very talented. I think it's going to start with a committee, but I would not be shocked if by the end of the season, it's very clearly the Cam Akers show and and the dude is a beast. So if you want Cam Akers, go buy him now because this is going to be his lowest point, I think, in Dynasty for the next couple years. I know that J.K. Dobbins, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, and Jonathan Taylor are all getting a lot of love right now in Dynasty. Edwards-Alaire and Jonathan Taylor a lot more than someone like Dobbins, but even Dobbins is starting to rise because there's some rumors around Gus Edwards getting traded to the Jags, right? So if something were to happen to Gus Edwards, J.K. Dobbins would be a full go in Dynasty, right? So the fact that those three are getting a lot of love and Cam Akers is kind of getting pushed down a little bit because Sean McVay came out and said that he's going to be in a committee. I mean, no kidding, he's going to be in a committee. All these guys are going to be in a committee. It's just how long is it going to take him to learn this offense and learn the protections and learn what he's supposed to be doing on third down? He's going to shine. So buy him now while you can. Like I said, he's going to be at the forefront of this offense by the end of the season. Darrell Henderson is somebody else that I'm a little interested in, but people are trying to sell him a lot higher than he's probably worth. I think he's the clear handcuff to Cam Akers, and that's a problem for me because Cam Akers isn't going anywhere, and I he doesn't have an injury history, so it's somebody that, I mean, you can go get him if you want him or stash him on your team, but... I just maybe a couple weeks early Henderson will have a role, but I just don't see much long term for this guy. So that just goes to show you how much I love Cam Akers for this team. He's going to be the perfect replacement for Todd Gurley. So, like I said, go buy him while you can. At the wide receiver position, they have a nice grouping of guys. They have Robert Woods and Cooper Cup. Like I said, you can make the argument on which one's 1A, 1B for this team. Robert Woods is someone who has just been a stud ever since he's left Buffalo, and he was very underrated for a long time, and I think he's finally starting to get some of his due that he's been owed. Uh, The problem with Robert Woods and Cooper Cup is looking back at the 2019 season, and it's hard to tell how much the offensive line and the struggles on offense had to play into this, but it was literally a tale of two halves for these guys because in the first half of the season, Cooper Cup was, I think, the wide receiver one or two for that stretch. He was just so beastly, and it was surprising because he was coming off an ACL tear, right? So everyone thought that Cooper Cup was going to take a little bit of time to get healthy and get back on the field and be fully explosive again, but he came out of the gates in 2019 just roaring, and for the first eight games that he played, he was a beast, but in the the last eight games that he played, he was almost irrelevant, and that's the complete opposite for Robert Woods, who in the first eight games was almost irrelevant. You were very disappointed with Robert Woods early in the season, but then he came on super hot for the last eight games and was a stud, so... It's hard to tell if 
that was scheme, if that was injury related, nobody really knows what the cause of that was, but I don't see something like that happening again. I just see both of these guys performing on a very high level. And one thing that we saw on Hard Knocks a couple weeks ago was the fact that Sean McVay is leaning more on the 12 personnel, which is the one running back, two tight end sets, which they have two stud tight ends on this team. So when you have two tight ends, you have to always have five skill players out there, right? Uh, you got the 12, which is one running back, two tight ends, 11, one running back, one tight end, three receivers, um, the the two, the one, you know, where you have no running backs, which is really rare. That's like the four wide uh, air raid system that Cliff Kingsbury likes to run. And then you got like the 22, 21, things like that, where you got two running backs out there, right? So that's your basic terminology for when you hear this from these guys, 21 personnel, 12 personnel, that's what it means. The first number is always the running back, second number is always the tight end. But there's always five weapons out there almost every time. So when you're in 12 personnel, if you're running a lot of 12 personnel, you got two tight ends out there, you got a running back, and you got two receivers, that leaves off Van Jefferson and Josh Reynolds. So that means Cooper Cup and Robert Woods are going to be on the field a lot. So these guys are clearly the 1A and the 1B for this team, like I've mentioned a couple times now. I just think Robert Woods is going to have the better overall season this year. I could definitely be wrong. Cooper Cup is a touchdown machine. Uh He's kind of getting to that Devontae Adams role where touchdowns are super unpredictable year to year. But for some reason, Devontae Adams and now Cooper Cup are two guys who just make it happen every single year. So he's getting to that point where touchdowns are kind of automatic for him. So Cooper Cup is going to have a great year. People have been fading him a little bit. I just think that's a little silly. I think he's going to be great. But Van Jefferson and, like I said, Josh Reynolds, those are the three and four wide receiver for this team. Josh Reynolds is someone who is very interesting because he's shown flashes in the past, but then he's also disappeared completely. I am more interested in Van Jefferson long-term for this team because like I said he was a second round pick this year again they needed offensive linemen they needed defensive guys and they took Van Jefferson in the second there were still quality linemen in the second round of this year's draft so the fact that they took Cam Akers and Van Jefferson over some of those guys really tells you what they think about the skill levels of these two guys and like I said with Robert Woods if something were to happen where Robert Woods gets injured if he leaves the team, right? If he gets injured, if he leaves the team because his contract is over, Van Jefferson is the guy that I'm almost positive will slot in behind Robert Woods. That's where he's practicing right now in training camp is behind Robert Woods. He's just going to be a very seamless fit. I know he's more like Cooper Cup in build and play style, but all these guys, like I said, they're very shifty guys who like to get open and create separation so Van Jefferson's the one I'd rather have over Josh Reynolds you can make your argument for Reynolds but I just think he's kind of one of those trap players where you're going to get invested in him for a long time he's just never going to pay off in Dynasty so the tight ends like I mentioned before they got two stud guys they got Gerald Everett and Tyler Higby. Last year, he was a stud, right? He was just on a crazy pace at the end of last year. He had like the most targets in a four-game window of any tight end ever or something like that. It was insane. He was just getting targets left, right, and center. 
Gerald Everett is also someone who they like to utilize, and he was Sean McVay's first ever pick in the NFL, so he doesn't want to give up on him, you know. He wants to see him succeed just to kind of prove himself right a little bit on that, but these two guys are awesome, and the weird thing is, a couple weeks ago, I saw a report on Tyler Higby that he beat the hell out of some guy in a bar fight or something like that, and there's some like racist undertones to it or something like that. And it just disappeared completely. So I don't know what happened to that report and that rumor, but there could potentially be something for Tyler Higby coming down from like a suspension. So just something I want to throw out there. I, I, I don't like to dabble in conspiracy theories or anything, but I saw a full report that Tyler Higby got arrested because he beat the hell out of some guy. And uh, yeah, like I said, there was racial undertones and things like that. And then the report just disappeared completely. So I never saw the follow-up on it. I never saw why it disappeared. Um, but just something I want to put out there for you guys, because I know Higby has been very popular this offseason, and for good reason. He's very talented. So maybe that's the deciding factor for you on Higby. Um, like I said, I don't want to peddle conspiracy theories, and if there's something that I'm missing on this, let me know over on Twitter. I'd be happy to amend this in the future. And uh, like I said, I'm not a beat reporter. I don't know all the details around this. So I'm just relaying to you guys what I heard and saw a couple weeks ago, but it was just kind of weird to me that it just completely disappeared. So maybe be on the lookout for something about that. I just thought it's something you guys should know. Gerald Everett is someone who's pretty talented. Like I said, he was McVay's first overall pick that he took in a draft. He was a second round pick in 2017. So he's good. He's not as good as Higby. When Higby's not on the field, I don't really have a ton of faith in Gerald Everett. He has flashes here and there, but nothing consistent. That's his biggest problem, right? So if you're looking to buy as long as there's nothing with that report, like I said about Higby, uh, he's definitely the one to own in Dynasty right now. He's not old. You know, he's over that three-year tight end hump in the NFL. So he's definitely going to be a beast. And you've seen it on the field. He, he can definitely catch. He's got good hands. But yeah, just something I wanted to throw out for you guys. A very good team overall. Like I said, a lot of it just relies on that offensive line. The Rams are looking to get back to the playoffs. And that is what makes this <laughs> between the NFC South and the NFC West. You got two of the most competitive divisions in the entire NFL. All four teams in this division, I think, could actually make a playoff push this year. And you're probably thinking, what? Even the Cardinals? You're crazy. But man, they are all so talented. It's just in insane. So we'll get to the Cardinals here in just a minute. But man, this division is going to be fun this year. So um, that's the Los Angeles Rams. Let me know what your thoughts are. Again, they have a lot of fantasy viable weapons on this team. And that's a lot of credit to Sean McVay. And if you've been watching Hard Knocks, dude is just a good coach, loves to coach. He's just a good guy, it seems like. So here's hoping that the Rams can kind of pick things up on offense this year and we can be entertained by those 45-point games where they just light the NFL on fire. So uh, that's the Rams. And up next, we're going to transition over to the Seattle Seahawks. So the Seattle Seahawks are led by head coach Pete Carroll and quarterback Russell Wilson, otherwise known as 
Mr. Unlimited, if you've seen his Twitter video, probably the most cringy thing I've ever seen on Twitter is his Unlimited video. Um, but go check it out if you haven't seen it yet. It's pretty entertaining. <laughs> the Seattle Seahawks have made very interesting moves this offseason, and the biggest thing that they've done so far is on the coaching staff. They have made some interesting signings, which I'll cover here in just a minute, but the coaching staff, they added a ton of positional roles in this offseason, and what all of this points to, every single one of these, none of them was a major positional role like the wide receivers coach, the quarterback coach, the offensive coordinator, things like that. But what they did was they added a lot of passing game coordinators, a lot of uh, offensive assistants and things like that. And what it all points to is a lot of improvements to the passing game for the Seahawks. And why that's such a big deal is if you have seen anything about Seahawks Twitter the last couple years, they are so frustrated with Pete Carroll because Pete Carroll is a very interesting head coach. And he's someone who is nearing the end of his NFL tenure because dude is like 70 years old. He looks like in amazing shape. He's probably in better shape than me and I'm 30. So 31 now actually. So it's just crazy how good of shape Pete Carroll is for being that old. But he's a very frustrating coach because he's a very good players coach. He can coach anybody up. He doesn't care if you're a first round pick, a seventh round pick, undrafted free agent. He does not care. He will take the best man and put them in a position to win the game. He doesn't care what your draft stock is. He doesn't care your personality. If you can put the Seahawks in a position to win, then you're going to be the one on the field, right? Which is a great mindset for a coach. It's an amazing coach, but he's so frustrating because his approach to offense and in-game decision-making has been horrendous. He loves to run the ball, and it's because he's a defensive-minded coach, right? Where we've seen this time and time again, these defensive-minded coaches love the run game. They like to shut people down with their defense and then just pound them out with the run game and beat their defense up, right? It just happens every single time. So he's very, very run friendly. And it basically what he likes to do is he likes to run on first down, second down, and then on third down when it's like a third and five, third and seven, because most teams realize that they're going to run the ball on first and second down he turns over to Mr. Unlimited, Russell Wilson, and says, all right, Russ, bail us out. And Russell Wilson is extremely talented and can bail everyone out. This has Seahawks fans just absolutely flustered because (laughs) they want to pass the ball more. There was a hashtag early in the offseason that was hashtag let Russ cook. And they just want Russell Wilson to be the centerpiece of this offense because Russell Wilson is probably a top five quarterback in the NFL. I mean, you got Patrick Mahomes, you got Lamar Jackson, and I think Russell Wilson is probably third right now in terms of just sheer talent and ability to win with anything for his team. Russell Wilson is right up there. So the fact that they lean so heavily on the run game every single year is just so frustrating because you have such an amazing quarterback. You want to feature that guy, right? So the fact that they added all these lower positional spots for coaches is just super interesting to me because it tells me that they want to let Russ cook in 2020. And 
If Russ is going to be the focal point, that is going to be something very, very interesting to watch this year because we could see a lot of these wide receivers going way cheaper than they probably should. So getting back to some of the free agents that they signed and that they lost, um, they brought in Carlos Hyde as a handcuff because Chris Carson is coming off hip surgery from 2019. Uh, Rashad Penny tore his ACL in 2019. He's supposedly going to be ready, uh, but I think he's going to start the season on the pup. We'll see. And that's six weeks. So they need a handcuff for Chris Carson in case something were to go wrong. So they brought in Carlos Hyde. They brought in a couple of tackles that are bigger names. And then they brought in Philip Dorsett, who's a wide receiver. They re-signed David Moore, who's a wide receiver, and a couple of their offensive guards. But they lost Ed Dixon. They lost DJ Fluker and Justin Britt. And those are all very heavily run-blocking offensive lineman and a tight end in Ed Dixon. So the fact that they're bringing offensive linemen to replace linemen that they're losing, but the linemen that they're bringing in are much more pass-heavy linemen. They're better in the passing game than the run game, and they're losing run-focused linemen also points to the fact that they want to pass more in 2020. So all signs point up for the Seahawks passing game, and we'll get to that from a fantasy breakdown in just one second. In the draft, they added a offensive guard in the third round, Colby Parkinson, a tight end in the fourth round, who's someone who's kind of interesting in a dynasty format. DJ Dallas is a running back that they brought in in the fourth round, and then another wide receiver in the sixth. So again, some of these signings that they've made are very, very interesting because they all point to the pass game. And from a fantasy breakdown, If you have Russell Wilson passing a lot more frequently in 2020, this team is going to be scary because one of the biggest problems is they would always rely heavily on the run game until the fourth quarter when they let Russell Wilson just carry them back single-handedly every single week. So if they're doing that from quarter one and they're not afraid to blow people out this year man it could get fun so something to watch out for for the Seahawks this year and if that's the case Russell Wilson could easily be top three maybe even the number one quarterback in 2020 and we always see this every single year these guys who finished number one overall, it's very hard for them to replicate year to year. Patrick Mahomes was the quarterback number one two years ago. Then it was Lamar Jackson last year. Chris McCaffrey last year. Todd Gurley the year before, right? Michael Thomas last year and Tyreek Hill the year before. So it's, you almost never see a repeat other than tight end, which is just Travis Kelsey every single year. But uh, the rest of these positions, there's a lot of turnover in that number one role and you don't see these guys completely fall off every single year where like Christian McCaffrey was number three two years ago number one last year you know he's just very consistent up there top five where Russell Wilson I don't see any reason if he's passing the ball a lot more he finished top 10 last year and he only had three viable fantasy weeks the entire season so the fact that he just blew people out so heavily in those three games carried him for another 13 games was just crazy so Russell Wilson is extremely talented and he's going a lot cheaper than he probably should especially in redraft leagues if you're in any of those right now 
get Russ because, man, he's going so much cheaper than he's going to finish. I really am excited about the Seahawks passing game in 2020. Now, the biggest downside of that is it's going to have a negative impact on the run game. And that's where Chris Carson has been a monster the last couple years. I know he's had some fumble issues in the past, uh, but Chris Carson has just been getting a monster carry load. And Chris Carson is a success story. He was a seventh round pick and he just outplayed Rashad Penny, who was a first round pick. And he's just been an amazing fantasy asset. But Chris Carson's biggest problem is the way he runs the ball. He is a very violent runner of the football and it's led to multiple injury issues for Chris Carson. And the fact that he's coming off a hip surgery from last year, it does kind of give you pause in Dynasty because I don't think Chris Carson is going to be re-signed by the Seahawks in 2021 because he's on a contract year right now. And I think they're going to try and run him into the ground this year. Uh, I don't see them really being a committee this year. So that's good news for Chris Carson. But from a long-term perspective, Chris Carson, like I said, he's definitely running out of gas very quickly. So he's someone that I really like for 2020, not so much for 2021 in the future, because I just don't think anybody, maybe he signs a backup role in a committee role for some team out there, but uh, I just don't think he's going to have fancy reliance like he does with the Seahawks after this season. But in 2020, I think he's going to have a little bit lower of a carry total, but he's going to be just as efficient because it's not going to be a run on the first down, run on the second down, and then Russ bail us out. It's going to be Russ is cooking every single drive of every single game, and it just opens Chris Carson up to kind of slash and gouge the defenses on a more frequent basis without having to be such a workhorse for the team. So I think Chris Carson's going to be just fine. Like I said, he's a little concerning long-term, but depends how badly you need a running back, whether you want to pay for Chris Carson. Maybe if you can get him for a higher two um, or a lower two even, uh, that'd be pushing it. You know, you'd be getting him on a steal, but if you want to give up a first for Chris Carson just to get the title, you might be justified in that. I'd just be very hesitant because there's some guys next year that are going to be way better long-term than Chris Carson. So um, just something to think about for you guys. And then they have Carlos Hyde behind Chris Carson. Hyde is literally just a handcuff for this team. He's got nothing left in the tank. He's an old running back. He isn't the best pass catcher for the team. He's literally just insurance in case Chris Carson goes down and because Rashad Penny is on the pup right now. So Rashad Penny's another guy who, like I said, tore his ACL in 2019, was a former first round pick. He's been very interesting from a dynasty perspective because he's someone who came into the NFL a little overweight and he was a first round pick, so they couldn't cut him, right? And he really struggled his first year with injuries, with weight problems. He wasn't as explosive and flashy as he was in college. And what he really showed, though, was his ability to catch the ball. And that's where Rashad Penny is extremely dangerous. The problem with the Seahawks so far is they like to do eye formation and run up the gut a lot. And that's where Chris Carson does a lot of his work. And he's very dangerous up the gut. Rashad Penny was a 
outside guy, which is funny because he's a really big dude. He just cannot run up the gut for whatever reason. And they tried to force him a lot. But in 2019, towards the end of the season, Rashad Penny finally started showing his first round pedigree, right? They weren't running him up the gut. They weren't trying to just force it with Rashad Penny. They were kind of letting him find the holes and make the plays. And it really stunk that he was just finally starting to show his talent and what he could do. And then he tears his ACL on a really wicked hit. You know, it was one of those really unfortunate hits that you thought would be just fine, but he hit him just on the knee, just right that it tore his ACL. So he's put out a couple of videos. He's looking back to health. You never know with some of these guys like Cooper Cup came back just fine. Adrian Peterson came back from an ACL and set the rushing record, you know, so you never know. Some of these guys can come back from a ACL and be perfectly fine. Some, it takes a year, two years to really show what they have and be back to their previous health and everything like that. So something to watch with Rashad Penny, but he's someone who's pretty cheap right now because people have pretty much written him off. Um, all those 2018 running backs, except for Saquon Barkley, are just really starting to get written off completely. And it stinks because that was such a touted running back class that year. You got Darius Geis, who is in more legal trouble today, which, goodness gracious, man. And then you got Sony Michelle, who can't stay healthy. You got Carrion Johnson, can't stay healthy. You got Royce Freeman, who is not even going to be on an active roster, potentially. It's just all these guys are just not able to stay healthy, and they were so talented in college. So hopefully Rashad Penny, he's still got two years left after this season on his contract if they use their fifth-year option on him because he was a first-round pick. So I would not be writing off Rashad Penny just yet. He's still young, you know. Like I said, he struggled with weight. He was finally getting it under control in 2019, showing everything on the field. Someone that you can buy and stash for later. Um, There is a good chance that he doesn't even start on the pup and could be viable week one. So um, that's just my little diatribe on Rashad Penny. But then DJ Dallas is the last running back of any note on this team. And he's more of what I would say is the Chris Carson replacement in 2021 because Chris Carson will be gone this year and like I said I don't see them re-signing Chris Carson so if they're not bringing Carson back DJ Dallas is someone who is sneaky interesting from a dynasty perspective he's almost completely free nobody gives a crap about DJ Dallas right now and he could be the handcuff if something happens to Carson because like I said Carlos Hyatt has got nothing left I we'll see in 2020, but DJ Dallas is a sneaky ad. So if you're looking for someone to stash in your dynasty leagues and everybody's trying to get these guys at their lowest value right now is DJ Dallas's lowest value. So someone to look at from the running back position. So from the wide receivers, they got DK Metcalf second round pick last year. They got David Moore, who they re-signed Tyler Lockett, who is Russell Wilson's favorite target and Philip Dorsett, who's a new free agent that they signed this year. And this receiving core is sneaky good because it's not given the hype that it needs, right? Where Tyler Lockett is the slot guy. He is Russell Wilson's go-to man. And he's a very talented wide receiver. When he is healthy on the field with Russell Wilson, they just have a connection that you cannot create out of nowhere. You know, it's just 
an unspoken connection between the two as highlighted by the crazy touchdown in the back of the end zone in 2019 where Russell Wilson was trying to throw it away. Tyler Lockett just ran to the back corner of the end zone, reached out, kept his feet in bounds, scored a touchdown, and everyone's just like, what the heck? He was literally throwing the ball away, and Tyler Lockett turned it into a touchdown. So these guys just have an unspoken connection, which is going to be great for fantasy. Tyler Lockett's not that old. He's only been in the league for six seasons this year. This is his sixth season in the NFL. So he's not an old wide receiver by any means. And people are kind of just hesitant on Lockett when they probably shouldn't be. I mean, comparing Lockett to DK Metcalf, (laughs) physically, it's not even close. But Lockett is just so reliable that he's someone that you can get really cheap if you need reliable wide receiver help. And especially if this offense takes a step forward in the passing game, man, Tyler Lockett could have a really good year. We all remember the years of Doug Baldwin with Russell Wilson, where Doug Baldwin was routinely top 10, top five for this team in fantasy. So something to think about with Tyler Lockett, I could easily see him finishing top 10 in 2020. So the other names on this team, DK Metcalf, he is just a monster of a man. He's a specimen. Uh, They call him the, the human Batman suit because dude is just built like no other. (laughs) Oh man. His combine video of him running the 40, he was just a freight train running down there. So uh, DK Metcalf is someone who is very interesting. Like I said, with Tyler Lockett in this passing game, taking a step forward, I think DK Metcalf could easily have double digit touchdowns this year. And the dude's so fast and so big that it would not shock me if in 2020 he takes a step forward, has 1,200 yards, maybe 10 touchdowns, which could easily propel him up there. You know, this offense, all these guys are going a lot cheaper than they should, especially if Russell Wilson is the one that's cooking it all up for him. So just something to think about. DK Metcalf is probably the most hyped out of all these wide receivers just because he's the youngest. He's the biggest name, biggest body by any means. So So you might not be able to get him as cheap as someone like Tyler Lockett, but something to reach out to your league mates about and just kind of touch base on. But that's just my personal opinion. And even Philip Dorsett, who is someone who was a free agent, Philip Dorsett has shown flashes in the past. And he was a former first round pick with the Colts. And then he went to New England and he just hasn't been able to put it all together. But when you got someone like Russell Wilson throwing you the ball and not putting down Andrew Luck or Tom Brady by any means. It's just, I don't think either one of those systems were meant to flourish for Philip Dorsett. He was kind of just used as the outside speed guy. And when you got DK Metcalf being that guy, it just kind of opens Philip Dorsett up a little bit more for this offense. So it's somebody that I'm sneaky interested in. I don't see him finishing as a wide receiver too, but he could have weeks where he finishes as a wide receiver too. So if you're in a best ball or if you're looking at some solid depth this year because you're worried about coronavirus and and potential holdouts or outbreaks or anything like that, Philip Dorsett is someone who I think you could get for maybe like a future fourth round pick at this point. You know, he's just basically free. He might even be on your waiver wires. Who knows? But He's someone who's a little interesting to me, especially if this offense looks a lot better in 2020. Then the tight ends, they got Will Disley coming back off an Achilles. 
they got Greg Olson from the Carolina Panthers, who was supposed to retire and then came out of retirement for the Seahawks. And then they they have Colby Parkinson, who was the player that they drafted in this year's draft in the fourth round. And Will Disley is by far the most interesting from a dynasty perspective, but the problem with Will Disley is the Achilles tear. I don't know if he's going to come back to full health. Achilles tears are big deals. It's not like an ACL where some guys come back off an ACL just fine the next year. Achilles, very few people even come back from them ever. So it's just something to watch out for. It's just such a hard injury to overcome. Hopefully he can be back on the field, but if not, in 2020, Greg Olson's going to be the guy. Uh, In 2021, Colby Parkinson had decent hands in college, so he's someone that's kind of sneaky, especially with how much Russell Wilson likes to target the tight end position. He's just someone that I'm kind of keeping an eye on. Uh, If you're in a premium league, maybe a stash is worth it now. Again, you're trying to get these guys at their lowest value, and if you're in a tight end premium league, this will be his lowest value potentially. Um, it all depends on Will Disley. So that's just something to watch out for, somebody to keep in mind. Again, from a dynasty perspective, Will Disley is the most exciting one uh, just because he's shown it on the field with Russell Wilson when he's healthy. But the dude's gotten injured twice now, first an ACL and then an Achilles. So it is not looking good for Will Disley. He wants to be productive but his body just refuses to stay healthy so just something to think about from the tight end perspective Greg Olson will be a stud this year just because of how much Russell Wilson likes the tight ends and Greg Olson was a monster for most of his career you know he kind of slowed down the last couple years in Carolina but he was still pretty good even with Cam Newton who doesn't throw that many passes every single year so um, just something to think about for this team from the tight end but yeah I'm really looking forward to what they do on offense this year and and all signs point to Russell Wilson airing the ball out a lot more in 2020 so something to watch for you guys but yeah it could be a good year for Seattle in 2020. And up next, we got the San Francisco 49ers, who were actually in the Super Bowl against the Kansas City Chiefs. They did not win the Super Bowl, though it was pretty close. But the Chiefs just ended up sweeping them under the rug at the final quarter of last year's Super Bowl. And this team is looking good going into 2020. So the Niners are led by head coach Kyle Shanahan, who is probably one of the most electric offensive minds in the NFL right now. Uh, He's just kind of fantasy gold the last couple years, especially in the running game. He's made all these running backs just pure fantasy gold. And the Niners really didn't make too many coaching changes, Um, just more positional, lower end positional coaches got shifted around a little bit, but they made quite a few moves in this year's offseason. And a couple of the guys that they lost were Emmanuel Sanders. Uh, they lost Joe Staley, who was their pro bowler left tackle. Um, they lost a couple offensive linemen, depth pieces. They re-signed Nick Mullins, the quarterback, to back up Jimmy Garoppolo. They re-signed Kendrick Bourne, who might actually be extremely relevant they re-signed Jeff Wilson, the running back, who might be extremely relevant. 
brought in Travis Benjamin, a, another wide receiver, more of a deep threat kind of guy. They brought in some line pieces as depth for this team. And they brought in Jordan Reed just recently, which was pretty interesting because everyone thought Jordan Reed was going to retire because of all the concussions and everything. And especially with Kittle being so amazing and Kittle just got an extension uh, just recently. One of the highest paid (laughs) tight ends in the NFL right now and well-deserved. Kittle is just a monster. He's such a good block. He is literally Gronk 2.0 because he's such a good blocker. He's such a good pass catcher and he's just a big dude and not afraid to play through injury. Kittle is just one of those guys that you just love to root for, you know, and That's why I really like Kittle, but that makes the Jordan Reed signing very, very interesting because is Jordan Reed going to be a backup to Kittle? Is he going to have any role? When Jordan Reed was healthy with the Redskins a few years ago and Kirk Cousins was the quarterback who loved to target the tight end, Jordan Reed was very good for fantasy. Now, if he's on the field with the Niners with Jimmy Garoppolo, who likes to target the tight end, there could be weeks where he usurps George Kittle for fantasy relevance. I don't really know what to take from this signing, but uh, maybe he doesn't even end up making the active team. And Jordan Reed's problem is he just cannot stay healthy to save his life. You know, it's just everyone was kind of hoping he'd retire because of the concussions. And if he gets any more concussions, it's kind of scary from a long-term perspective because his brain has just been damaged so heavily from all this. So hopefully he doesn't make the team. And I know I don't like rooting against any any players, but just from a safety and a health standpoint, I really hope Jordan Reed kind of goes and does retire. But we'll cover him from a fantasy standpoint here soon and what I actually think is going to happen for these guys. But one of the bigger trades that they made was for Trent Williams because, like I said before, they lost their pro bowler in Joe Staley and they brought in a pro bowler in Trent Williams from the Washington football team. And Trent Williams is a very talented tackle and he's going to be a perfect replacement for Joe Staley. They won't even miss a beat with this signing and it's pretty good for the team. It's going to keep their offense rolling in 2020, which they did not lose anybody really from a free agent standpoint. Now, they've had a few injuries on this team, and I'll jump into those real quick. Their number one wide receiver for the team is Debo Samuel, and he actually broke his foot this offseason, and he is still on the non-football injury list right now. He's not been cleared to return to practice to training camp and that's kind of concerning because nobody knows when Debo is going to be fully healthy when it happened it was a 12-week time frame which puts him in line for week one to week two of the season so nobody knows when he'll return to the field and if he returns if he'll be fully healthy right away which stinks for Debo because he was somebody that I'm really high on going forward I think he's extremely talented but Another wide receiver that got brutally injured is Jalen Hurd, who people were getting very excited about, especially with Debo being kind of down and out so far through training camp. But Jalen Hurd is just a former running back who was a massive dude, and they were transitioning him to tight end slash wide receiver for the team with some running back 
designation as well. He was going to be the jack of all trades kind of player. And he tore his ACL this week, which was very disappointing because people were really excited to see him in 2020. And he lost 2019 as well to injury. So that's kind of unfortunate, which leaves their first round wide receiver, Brandon Ayuk, as the de facto number one wide receiver on the team right now. Now, their other wide receivers, Dante Pettis and Kendrick Bourne, who they re-signed. Dante Pettis has been flashing in training camp the last couple days, and he's someone to keep an eye on. It's tough to say what to do with Dante Pettis, but we'll cover him from a fantasy perspective here shortly. In the draft, they really went pretty hard on the defense. They brought in a couple other tight end backups and wide receiver backups, but nobody really exciting that made any splashes from a fantasy dynasty perspective. So from the fantasy side of things for this team, they got Jimmy Garoppolo as their quarterback. There's been lots of rumors around Jimmy Garoppolo and whether or not Kyle Shanahan wants to move on from him. Doesn't seem to have the best relationship with Kyle Shanahan, but it's Tough to say whether or not that's just a rumor and whether it's substantiated or not. Jimmy Garoppolo has been kind of hot or cold ever since he came over from New England. He hasn't been amazing for fantasy, but in 2018, he tore his ACL. 2019, he was coming off the ACL. And like I said earlier, you never know if these guys are going to come back fully healthy, if they're going to come back and be a little slow, or how long it's going to take them to fully recover on that ACL. And Jimmy Garoppolo recently came out and said that in 2019, he wasn't fully healthy. He did not feel like his old self coming into the league. And he came out early in 2020 and he said he just feels more comfortable with his technique and his foundation that he's been working with. So Jimmy Garoppolo could make a step forward in 2020, which would be very good from a fantasy side of things. So he's someone who's similar to someone like Jared Goff, who is going pretty low, but could finish pretty high. Uh, We saw flashes from Jimmy Garoppolo in 2019, but we also saw a lot of negative from Jimmy Garoppolo in 2019. So there's some good and there's some bad with Jimmy Garoppolo. It's hard to tell you what to do with him. He's someone you can look at, but not super exciting. This offense is super electric. Like I said, with Kyle Shanahan as the head coach, he makes it so electric. So it's one of those situations where it's just tough to say what to do with Jimmy Garoppolo. He's kind of one of those uh, guys stuck in purgatory where I don't know if he's good. I don't know if he's bad. Maybe he's just average. I don't know from a dynasty and a fantasy side of things, but I'll leave that up to you guys and to make your own decisions on. But that's just my thoughts on him. He's interesting, but not exciting. So Yeah, that's just how I feel about Jimmy Garoppolo. Then the running backs, they are working with Raheem Mostert, who they recently just gave a small extension to to give him a little bit more money. He was threatening a holdout uh, um, to get in line with what Tevin Coleman's making a year. And all the power to Raheem Mostert. He was probably the best player in the Super Bowl for this team um, in the playoffs, for sure. He is a very old running back. So this was his last chance to get any money before he's done, basically. So all the power to him. I don't think Raheem Mostert's that good without Kyle Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan just has a way with the run game that's just crazy. He makes every running back that he touched just amazing for fantasy. So Raheem Mostert is the de facto lead back for this team. But with Kyle Shanahan, he loves his committees. So it's hard to say 
who the actual starter is going to be week to week. It could change. You never know. Behind Mostert, there's Tevin Coleman, who had flashes in 2019. Like I said, it's just very hard to tell who's going to be the the guy week to week. But then they also have Jarek McKinnon. And Jarek McKinnon is someone that they've refused to cut the last couple years. And that is interesting to me because Jarek McKinnon, if you remember, he was with the Vikings. They signed him to a pretty good deal in 2018. He ends up tearing his ACL in training camp. Didn't play at all in 2019. Re-aggravated the ACL in 2019. Didn't play at all in 2019. And they had an out in his contract in 2020 that they could have moved on from McKinnon for almost no money, right? They would have saved money by cutting him. And they didn't. They actually kept McKinnon on the roster. So... To me, that means something that they see in McKinnon, that they really like his skill set with Sean McVay. He's really kind of like a better Raheem Mostert when he's healthy. Uh, So that's something that I'm looking at. If McKinnon is finally healthy and back to his old form, he's someone from a fantasy side of things. He could be the number two running back for this team. And Tevin Coleman might actually be the number three running back. It's just something to watch. It's very tough to tell with Kyle Shanahan because he likes to disguise things. He likes to keep things hidden and unpredictable. So I want to predict which one of these guys is going to be the fantasy stud. From a dynasty perspective, all three of these guys are older. Everyone was hoping that they'd take a running back in this year's draft just to pair a young running back with this team, but they didn't. Maybe in 2021, they get a young guy. But right now, from a dynasty perspective, all three guys are kind of risky because you don't know which one's going to be the focal guy. They're all older and they all have a pretty high risk as well from a injury standpoint and also from a productivity standpoint. So the running backs for this team are very tough. And I want to be fully transparent with you guys that I'm just giving you my thoughts on it. I could be completely wrong. I'll leave that up to you guys and some of these other experts and you can... (laughs) break it down how you believe it's going to go but the wide receivers for this team are pretty good they got Debo Samuel who is the number one for the team he's kind of the shifty all over the field guy Brandon Ayuk who is the wide receiver that they traded up for in this year's draft to skip over the Packers if you listen to my NFC North I think that the Packers really wanted Ayuk they had planned to trade to 25 and the San Francisco 49ers jumped to 24 to draft Ayuk one spot ahead of them. And yeah, I really think that the Packers wanted Ayuk. So that just tells you how much that Kyle Shanahan wants Brandon Ayuk. So Jalen Hurd was interesting, not anymore. Kendrick Bourne, he's kind of flashy here and there, but he's nobody from a dynasty perspective that you have to have. Dante Pettis is another guy. He's tough to read, similar to the running backs where... Dante Pettis in his first year with Kyle Shanahan was amazing. His second year, he struggled in training camp, couldn't get on the same page as Kyle Shanahan, played almost no role in 2019, but then in 2020, he's now flashing in training camp like they wanted him to in 2019. So it's possible that Dante Pettis takes a big step forward and your three wide receivers for this team are Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, and Dante Pettis, which is a pretty solid core of wide receivers who are all extremely young, right? That would be three guys who are all high draft picks 
and they're all taken in the last three years. So you'll have them for a while as long as you re-sign them appropriately. And it makes sense on paper too because Brandon Ayuk is the deep guy. Uh, Dante Pettis is more of the shifty, can go slot, can go deep kind of guy. And then Debo Samuel is much better out of the slot for this team than playing on the outside. So it makes sense long term. I really like this trio of wide receivers but from a fantasy standpoint people seem to be giving up on Brandon Ayuk a little bit early in my opinion he's pretty talented he was better than Enkil Harry and they went to the same schools so everyone was raving on Enkil Harry last year and he went to the Patriots and he looked terrible well Brandon Ayuk was better than Enkil Harry and he has a skill set that actually fits the team that he went to so that's something that I think is underrated I really think that Ayuk is going to be something in fantasy and in dynasty. Debo Samuel, again, I love Debo. People think of this team as a run-first team. I don't think this team is a run-first team. I think that in 2019, they were run-first by opportunity rather than necessity because it just worked because for some reason nobody could stop the run because they were so scared of the passing game. And so nobody could stop the run and... Because of that, Kyle Shanahan just kept doing it until somebody could stop him. And the Chiefs were able to stop them in the Super Bowl, which is why they weren't able to overcome it. Because I don't think Kyle Shanahan and the players were used to passing the ball as frequently as they should have been. Because they've just been literally running all over everybody the last few weeks. So I think that in 2020, Kyle Shanahan's going to retool this offense. He doesn't want to be predictable. Everyone's predicting them to be a run-first team. I don't think he wants to do that. I think he's going to be a pass-first team, especially with the way that this division is going, that they're all very offensive-minded, right? All these teams are very offensive-focused. And the Seattle Seahawks made improvements to the passing game. Sean McVay and the Rams are an amazing offense when they can get it rolling. And even the Cardinals with Cliff Kingsbury, the air raid system, all these offenses are just deadly. So I don't think he's going to want to run over all these guys. He's going to want to show that he's the best offensive mind in this division. And I think that they're going to pass a lot more, which is going to just be more opportunity for a healthy Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, and Dante Pettis that... You could potentially see two of these guys take a big step forward with wide receiver two, maybe one of them wide receiver one upside. It's just tough to say because all three are so talented. All three are so young. It's a literal kind of grab bag right now of which one's going to be the guy. So um, all of them have red flags. Like I said, Dante Pettis was really good, then really bad. Now he's looking to be really good again. Brandon Ayuk is a rookie, so that's a pretty big red flag. We just don't know if he's going to transition to the NFL. I like the talent. I think he's going to be fine. But a lot of these first-round wide receivers, it's a 50% bust rate as it is, you know. So he might not make it in the NFL, and I'm just fully admitting that to you. But he might also be fine. We just don't know. And then Debo Samuel, a little bit of an injury history, a little bit hampered by potential volume for this team. It's just something to look out for all three of these guys. But that also gives you a great buying window in Dynasty. You can potentially get all three of these guys a lot cheaper than you will in the future if you know which one is going to be the guy. So just something to think about for the wide receivers for this team. Tight end, I covered it a little bit already. George Kittle, Jordan Reed, 
George Kittle just got an extension. They signed Jordan Reed before they gave Kittle the extension. So it's potentially just that they wanted the insurance in case they couldn't get a deal worked out with Kittle. And Jordan Reed was the best option on the waivers. So that's something to fully take in mind. I actually think that George Kittle is going to be just fine. I don't see Jordan Reed taking any work from this team. Like I said, I kind of hope that Jordan Reed ultimately ends up not making the team just so that he can retire and put his life in safer hands going forward. Because like I said, Jordan Reed is such a talented dude. It's just his entire career got derailed by injuries. And at this point, it's just too dangerous to play for, in my opinion. But that's for him to make the decision. I'm not his mom, you know. I'm, I'm not going to be able to tell him what to do. So if Jordan Reed's on the field, if they're using more 12 personnel, two tight ends out on the field, he could be very interesting. That's something I want to watch early in the season because if they're using 12 personnel with all the injuries to the wide receivers, it's definitely a possibility. If Debo's not ready for week one, I expect a lot of 12 personnel early in the season with potentially Dante Pettis Kendrick Bourne and Ayuk, one of those two, swapping out play-to-play. So something to think about that Jordan Reed could potentially flash in 2020. And as crazy as that sounds, he's basically free. So um, just something to think about from that. You know, there's fantasy gold all over this team. Like I said, I don't think they're going to be run first. Everyone's predicting them to be run first, but we'll see. I just don't think that Kyle Shanahan wants to be that transparent and that predictable. So here's to see what the Niners do, if they can repeat their success in 2020 that they had in 2019. They're definitely wanting to go. They're definitely wanting to go back to the Super Bowl. Uh, They have unfinished business. That's twice now that Kyle Shanahan has basically folded under pressure. The first time was the 28-3 with the Falcons versus the Patriots. They He got super conservative in the Super Bowl and let a lead slip away. So it happened again last year against the Chiefs, and maybe he's finally learned the lesson to just go full throttle in the Super Bowl. So it'd be fun to watch. I don't think that last year was Kyle Shanahan's last Super Bowl that he's ever going to be in. So there will definitely be more down the road, and it'll be fun to see when they get there. So Kyle Shanahan, great coach, but... This team is just loaded on both sides of the ball. Something to look forward to in 2020. And that brings us to the last team in the NFC West, and that is the Arizona Cardinals. And the Cardinals are a team that, very similar to the 49ers, really made no changes to their coaching staff, made a few tweaks at their lower-level coaches, but really went all out in free agency. And... They really didn't sign any big names free agents this year, but what they did was they re-signed a lot of guys, and they re-signed Kenyon Drake to the transition tag. He's on a one-year contract, brought in Larry Fitzgerald for another one-year contract. They brought in DJ Humphreys, their offensive lineman, Marcus Gilbert, another offensive lineman. They re-signed three offensive linemen, which is pretty telling that In 2019, they were not one of the best offensive lines, but they drafted an offensive lineman in the third round of this year's draft. They re-signed three different offensive linemen, and they didn't really bring in anybody new. So they have faith in these guys going forward. Could be misplaced faith, but they do have faith in these guys. Now, they did lose quite a few players, but none of them are really interesting from a dynasty perspective. They lost, like... 
Pharaoh Cooper, a wide receiver, Charles Clay, a tight end, Damian Bird, a wide receiver, but none of these guys are even the top four options on this team. And with the air raid, you need probably like six wide receivers on game day. And maybe those guys were cracking the five, six for the team. But yeah, this team is just so stacked at wide receiver right now that losing all these guys has no impact. So the biggest thing that happened this offseason, though, was the trade that everyone knows about by this time. And that was they traded David Johnson to the Houston Texans for DeAndre Hopkins. And there were some picks involved. And everyone says that the Cardinals made out so heavily on this trade. And the reason why is they were due to pay David Johnson like $13 million this year. And they basically offloaded the entire contract to the Houston Texans while also getting back a wide receiver who's one of the best in the NFL. And it was just such a crazy trade that people were trading an old running back for a young wide receiver that people were shocked by it. But the trade definitely helps the Arizona Cardinals and this offense a ton. So from the fantasy side of things, I'm just going to jump straight into that. Their quarterback is Kyler Murray, and I love Kyler Murray in fantasy. Now, I know I talked about Russell Wilson as potentially being the quarterback one in 2020. I actually think that the quarterback one is going to be Kyler Murray. And the reason why is if you look at 2018, Patrick Mahomes was the quarterback number one overall. And that was because Patrick Mahomes was on pace for the quarterback touchdown record, single season quarterback touchdown record. And in 2019, it was Lamar Jackson who was on pace for the single season. And he actually set the record for most rushing yards by quarterback in a single season. So both of those are extremes. They're the single season most, right? Well, Kyler Murray is the perfect blend of Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson. And people are probably going to give me a lot of crap for this, but He is such a good passer of the football, and he is such an amazing, fluid runner on the ground. It's just the perfect combination of those two guys, where I understand that Kyler Murray's a tiny dude. He's not a big-body guy like Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes. He's very, very short. I, I get it. But he's basically Russell Wilson, right? He's got the exact same skill set as Russell Wilson. I just think he's better at it. Where Russell Wilson makes hero plays every single week, Kyler Murray might not be at that state yet, but he's much more talented physically than Russell Wilson. He's got a better arm. He's got a better ability to run than Russell. It's just the decision-making is going to be the big key factor in 2020. So Kyler Murray is my bet at the quarterback one this year. We'll see. He's just got that high floor of rushing yards that he did not utilize in 2019 like people were expecting him to. And if he takes a big step forward in the rushing game in 2020, for example, in 2019, everyone expected Kyler Murray to have around 700, 800 rushing yards, and he only had about 400. So that was low for what people were expecting out of Kyler Murray. If he takes a step forward on that while also repeating what he did in the passing game, he was already quarterback six last year. The only place to go for him is up at this point. So Kyler Murray is extremely interesting from 
a fantasy perspective, but everybody else believes the exact same as me. He's extremely expensive just as well. So it's tough to get Kyler Murray in Dynasty right now. One quarterback is hard enough. Two quarterbacks, super flex, it's almost impossible just because he's got so much potential. So good luck, but yeah, Kyler Murray is a stud and I am in love with Kyler Murray in Dynasty. But the running backs are where this gets a little interesting. They re-signed Kenyon Drake, who's on the transition tag. He's got one year with the team. And Kenyon Drake was with the Miami Dolphins in 2019. He got traded halfway through the season to the Cardinals. And he was amazing once he got to the Cardinals. He was the best running back by a mile. And that's with David Johnson on the roster, Chase Edmonds. It's just Kenyon Drake blew them all out. And that's why they transition tagged him, right? So... Kenyon Drake is someone that I love for fantasy for 2020. He's on a one-year deal. I don't see him getting a long-term extension with the team. They learned their lesson with David Johnson to not pay these running backs. The only reason they're keeping Kenyon Drake is because he's cheap for this year. You know, he's costing them a decent amount. I think he's around six to eight million, but that's a lot less than David Johnson. And I don't see them giving Kenyon Drake the money that he wants to see. So from a dynasty perspective, Kenyon Drake is interesting because I think wherever he goes after the Cardinals, he might have one to two more years left in the tank after this year. So if you can get two to three years out of Kenyon Drake at a high level for fantasy, sign me up. But the question is just the unknown factor of where it's going to be because I don't think it's with the Cardinals after this year. But you know you're going to have one year of extremely high production with the Cardinals. So That's just something to think about when you're looking at running backs to trade for. Do you want the guaranteed one-year production for 2020 with a potential upside production in the future? Or do you want to mitigate the risk and just not go for long-term assets? That's up to you to decide for your team. But Kenyon Drake, I think, is going to be top five as a running back in 2020. So as long as he can stay healthy, he's going to be a stud. Behind him is Chase Edmonds. Chase Edmonds has one year left on his contract after 2020. He's someone who is interesting. I don't really know what to expect from Chase Edmonds because he's not the best running back, but he's shown flashes where he's really good. In this system, he can be really good, but he's also had an injury history. So he's someone that I'm out on completely. I know some people love Chase Edmonds, but I do not like him long-term for Dynasty. He's just someone that doesn't interest me at all. I'm actually more interested in the rookie that they signed in the seventh round, Eno Benjamin. I understand that seventh round picks are not always the most exciting because almost never do they make a fantasy impact, but Chris Carson was a seventh round pick and Eno Benjamin has a skill set that fits this team very, very well. So I think that he'll be a very good fit for this team, a much better fit for this offense than Chase Edmonds was. But that's me personally. I know that I'm on the uh, the downside of that argument, the unpopular side of that argument, but I'm being straightforward with you guys as to why. I just don't think that Chase Edmonds is as talented as people are giving him credit for. So just my personal beliefs on it. But yeah, feel free to let me know your thoughts over on Twitter. But from a wide receiver standpoint, they got Hopkins uh, in the trade. They got Larry Fitzgerald on a one-year deal. They still have Christian Kirk, who is going into the third year of his contract. People are very excited about Christian Kirk. 
I'm a little down on Christian Kirk as well. And I don't like to hate on any players, you know, but Christian Kirk is someone who I actually think with the DeAndre Hopkins trade, people were excited about Christian Kirk to be the number one wide receiver for this team. I don't think that's in his skill set. I don't think he can be a good wide receiver one for a team. I think his best role for a team is going to be the complementary wide receiver two. And that's exactly what he's going to be now that they have DeAndre Hopkins. Hopkins is the de facto number one. He's such an alpha that it's not even a choice, right? So Christian Kirk is going to be relegated to that wide receiver two position for this team with Larry Fitzgerald being the ageless wonder who is going on like year 17 in the NFL as a wide receiver. It's just, he's the Frank Gore of wide receivers. It's insane. Props to Larry Fitzgerald, class act, one of the best wide receivers, just role models, I think in the NFL, you know, he's very humble. He's very, just keeps to himself. You know, he's just a very class act of a human being. So all the props to Larry Fitzgerald that he's made it this far in his career. Here's hoping he can go out on one final amazing year for the Cardinals. From a fantasy perspective, you know what you got in this year for Larry Fitzgerald at this point. You know, he's not a young guy. He's 17 years in the NFL. He's not going to be that flashy, but the dude is still talented which just goes to show how good Larry Fitzgerald was in his prime years, right? So, you know you don't got a lot of time left with Larry. You might have a few weeks here and there because they are the air raid offense, which is just four wide receivers out on the field a lot of the time. I think they want to run what Cliff Kingsbury said in 2019 was 75 to 90 offensive plays in a game which is just insane because if you think about an average game an offense runs about 60 65 offensive plays in a game he wants to take that plus another half of those 60s to get up to 90 which is just an insane number of offensive plays so it's entirely possible that Larry Fitzgerald, just out of volume, sheer volume, is a great wide receiving option this year. DeAndre Hopkins, again, sheer volume. Christian Kirk is someone that volume, again, the key with this offense is just volume. And the other guys that they have, with the air raid, you have to have four solid, capable wide receivers. The guys behind this are a little interesting. Hakeem Butler is someone who people were taking in the first round of last year's rookie drafts. And He's basically forgotten this year because he didn't play at all in 2019. And this is something that I'm going to look at in the next year of the year two, year three dip on wide receivers. Because with this redraft mindset, people give up on these guys so fast. Like Paris Campbell is almost free right now in leagues. Hakeem Butler is free. And and Keel Harry is almost free. All those guys were first-round rookie wide receivers last year that people were taking with the number one, number two overall picks. And it's just crazy because now people don't even want to draft them. They don't want to pay anything for them, but they're only in their second year in, in their careers. So there's plenty of time left for a lot of these wide receivers. So uh, that's a trend that I've been noticing the last couple of years, and I want to really dive into that after this season. But Hakeem Butler is pretty interesting from a dynasty perspective. Uh, like I said, he's basically free. Andy Isabella is another guy. He was a second round pick last year. Uh, he's an extremely fast guy. He's extremely interesting. 
Keyshawn Johnson, another guy who's extremely interesting. The problem with these guys is there's so many guys on this team who are capable that it kind of eats into all of them, you know, where the only three that I think are safe are DeAndre Hopkins, Christian Kirk, and Larry Fitzgerald for 2020. Behind those three, it could literally be any of the other three. They could all have bit rolls. They could all have good weeks, but you just never know. So that's just my thoughts on this receiving core. It's very talented. It's very deep, but it's just not super exciting from fantasy because you don't know who it's going to be outside of Hopkins, outside of Christian Kirk. So that's the receiving core. Tight ends, nobody super special. The number one guy probably is Dan Arnold, but according to the roster in the depth chart, Max Williams is their number one tight end. I think that it's going to ultimately be Dan Arnold from a fantasy standpoint. He showed flashes last year, but He's not the sexiest name in fantasy right now, so he's someone that I'm going to pass on completely until he proves me wrong. There's just so many other guys I'd rather have a shot on at tight end that you're taking a shot with Dan Arnold. You know, you're hoping for low, low end tight end one numbers, you know, but you're realistically going to get tight end three numbers. So it's just something to think about from him. Not super excited about Dan Arnold, but Yeah, if he shows something in 2020, I'm more than happy to reconsider going forward. But that was the Arizona Cardinals. This team went very heavy on defense in the draft, and it just builds on the narrative that this is one of the most competitive divisions in the NFL, that even the Cardinals, their offense is going to be just fine because Kyler Murray is going to be cooking. He's year two. They have the air raid system year two. It's just going to be very exciting to see what they do in year two as a whole and their defense took major steps up the Seahawks are looking to pass more I'm expecting their defense is a little subpar I think that the Niners are going to look to pass more in 2020 to be a little less predictable than you even have the Rams who are hoping to improve on their offense from 2019 it's just all of these teams are so offensive heavy that it's just going to be fun for fantasy it's going to be fun for the nfl fun games to watch so i really like this division it's low-key one of my favorite divisions in the nfl just because of how interesting it can be and uh, how fun it can be so that's my thoughts on the nfc west hopefully you guys like this breakdown Uh, Like I said at the beginning of the pod, give me a follow over on Twitter. Shout me out to your friends. Let me know if you guys need any roster breakdowns. We're running out of time in August, but I'm more than happy to kind of dedicate some time to those for you guys because you guys are my fans. I do like it. I do truly appreciate it. I hope you guys enjoy the podcast. But until next week, thanks for listening. Good luck in your leagues and good night.